following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. But we just want to say welcome, everybody, and welcome, moms. And, you know, before we do this, on Mother's Day, you know, there's a lot of dynamics on Mother's Day. Some of you are moms, some of you are grandmas, some of you maybe would like to be a mom, um, some of you are going to be a mom, so this is a, a diverse, you know, um, motherhood is an interesting thing, but I would say one thing, spiritual mothers are just as important as natural mothers, amen? Amen, amen. And we're living in a time amen. where we need some spiritual moms. That's so right. maybe you're already doing that, and maybe you're not, but we just want to say, we want to honor you by faith for being the kind of mom, whether it's in the natural or the spiritual, who just really steps into what God's calling you to do. It's a beautiful call and a beautiful privilege. Yes, okay, so can you hear me? Yeah, I think I'm on. So I'll hold this anyway, so you don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and you know what? Speaking of EMO, I mean, we don't get to choose what sex, surprise, surprise, that we actually are. I'm not on? Okay, so we're, we're born women. And, and that is an amazing gift. But the men are born men. And that too is an amazing gift. But I kind of feel sorry for men. And I'm going to just be honest because we are complex creatures, right? We, we, there's just a lot to us. So I thought I would just start off with a couple of tips because it'll help everybody in the household if I give you a couple of tips of things that we've learned over the years. And recent, uh, there's a recent study that has shown that men um, live longer if, wait, let me say this again. There's a recent study that women who carry a little extra weight live longer than the men who care to mention it. Just a little tip. All right. There's also a hormone guide. Women were given an abundance of hormones, and it's important when you see or recognize more hormonal traits to be able to take a look at that and, and adjust your questions or comments accordingly. So I just want to start with a hormone guide, okay? Um, there's three categories. There's dangerous, there's safer, and there's safest. So um, dangerous is what is for dinner. Safer is can I help you with dinner? And then safest is where would you like to go for dinner? All right. Dangerous is, what are you so worked up about? Yeah, not good. Safer is, could we be overreacting? And safest is, here's my paycheck. Right? <laughs> Take notes if you need to, men. This is okay. It's, a, it's an open book quiz. Dangerous is, should you be eating that? Safer is, you know there are a lot of apples left. And then safest is, can I get you a piece of chocolate to go with that? Are you learning, honey? Uh, gentlemen, Father's Day's coming. <laughs> Stay tuned, okay? All right, and my favorite is dangerous is, what did you do all day? Not good. Safer is, I hope you didn't overdo it today. And safest is, I've always loved you in that robe. Isn't that helpful? I am so helpful for all of us, right? This is good. You know, Abraham Lincoln said that no man is poor who has a godly mother. And all of you mothers that are here and spiritual mothers, 
you, you are godly. You are here on Sunday morning, and you are choosing to worship God and to give him your very best. And your children for ages, generations to come, will be blessed for that. That's good. That's good stuff. Hey, so um, we're going to be talking about some great moms of the Bible, because there's some great moms in the Bible, and there's great moms in this room. So we're going to look at some great moms in the Bible. Before I do, just to get a little insight, I'm going to ask you some questions about motherhood. You're a mother of five. You kind of get it. You've seen great moms. You've seen all kinds of motherhood things. Let me ask you a couple of things. When it comes to moms, because they have so much going on, right, ladies? So much going on, on a lot of levels. Uh, In what way do you think moms are uh, most often misunderstood? Well, I think oftentimes we're seen as fun haters, right? We're seen as people who, we're like Debbie Downer, right? No, you need to clean your room. You need to do your homework. You need to do that. But we know without a shadow of a doubt that that is our God-given responsibility. And I think, you know, for all of us, all of us have in this room have been mothered. And we all know that the mom was the one that was stayed on you and, and told you the 900 things you couldn't do. And that was because she loved you. And so if you haven't already, call your mom today. If you can't call your mom, just thank God for your mom. Because all of us had somebody pouring into us. Um, When did you realize that parenting was going to be difficult? At what point did that become a reality to you? Why, what an interesting question. I was... um, it was when Kennedy was three months old, and I was serving my neighbors by giving them a date night out. And I got a phone call from my baby's father. Um, and he told me something bad had happened. And I said, what did you do? And he said, well, there was a dirty diaper, and I went to go wash my hands. Meanwhile, she's three months old and has never rolled over or anything. And she scooted off the end of the changing table onto our hardwood floors on her head. So we went to the hospital, and the police came, and they interviewed us in separate rooms, and I said, take him in. Take him in. Do whatever, the the fullest extent of the law, punish him. Punish him well. But then I realized, I called my mom, and I said, Mom... Who cares how we turned out? You kept us alive. Like, that is a big feat. Well, that was, and I forgive you. By the way, she didn't even have a bump. She was fine, and there was no police. I always got to balance out the story a little bit. But anyway, um, yeah, good stuff. Okay, so what do you think? Okay, moms are kind of like superheroes in a lot of ways because they're doing so many things, juggling so many things. Um, What do you think, just like Superman has a kryptonite working against him? What would be a mom's kryptonite? I think when we see our kids making bad decisions, quite honestly, when we see them not following the Lord, it, it, it breaks my heart. When, and, and you really have to fight fear as a mom. And that's why moms get upset, just so you know. It's not just like, oh, I'm so mad because you didn't do what I say. But we see the future. Moms look ahead. Women plan, right? Men, not so much. Maybe some of you. But a little bit, yeah. But, but we look ahead and we go, if you do this, and then A, we know that little decisions end up making stacked up, make big decisions. And so we, we are looking into the future. And I think that's the thing that we go, 
or you can't do this. And we have to fight fear. Um, over our, we want our kids more than anything to love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, and mind. Uh, last question: what, what would you say is the one thing that every mom wants, every mom needs, every mom wants? Burke Williams? No, 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 no. Um, I think that every mom's wants are different. My love language, I think when my mom and I had like a, we have a great relationship, but we had like a total breakthrough when I began to say, I want to learn her love language. What means I love you to her? And so for her, it was help. And so when I would go and go home, I, um, I would unload the dishwasher and just say, because, because when you learn their love language, you're saying, I see you. And, and it may not, you may not understand it. It doesn't really matter. It's their love language. And so I think every single person, you know, is different. But it, it shows that you love to even go, what would say I love you right now? That's good stuff. Gentlemen, I hope you took notes on that because late well. Um, I think if I hold this microphone higher, it comes in better. If I hold it down goes away. So duly noted. Hey, we're going to look at some of these great moms of the Bible really quick this morning. Um, and I'm going to look at a couple. Christy's going to look at a couple. And hopefully we're going to glean a lot on motherhood, on God's design, on opportunity, on how God can leverage your motherhood to do a gr- um, even greater things than what he's doing already. And then we also, in scripture, we get to learn from some other people's mistakes. And I don't know about you, but it's easier in life if we learn from somebody else's mistake than our own. Isn't that easier? Shorter lesson, right? You can kind of move on to the, the next thing faster. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to cover a couple, and so is Christy. And this morning, I want to start with um, two. I'm going to look at uh, Hannah, and I also want to look at Samson's, um, Samson's mom. Now, Samson in the Bible, his mom doesn't uh, have a, uh, a name, at least she's not named by name, other than Samson's mom. And so I want to look at a couple of these this morning. And um, so Judges 13, uh, I want to look at a section. We can put it on the screen for you here. And um, we're going to see how this goes. And there's some, some great things to learn. Uh, these moms, by the way, they have a couple of things in common really clearly. And then they have a few differences. But a lot of it is how they responded to what God gave them. Uh, There's a big difference in that area. So Samson's mom, it starts like this in Judges 13. Verse 2, a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, see to it that you do not drink wine or fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean, you will become pregnant and have a son uh, whose head is never to be touched by a razor uh, because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to to God from the womb and he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistine. So this mom is yet to be a mom. God sends an angel to this mom who's trying to have a baby and can't, and in this culture, that was a pretty heavy weight, a pretty heavy burden, and the Lord says an angel and says, you're, you're going to have a son, but your son is not just going to be an Israelite. Your son's going to be a Nazarite. Nazarite is like a level up. You know how you play a game, you get to level up? 
things on a game, that this child gets to level up. He doesn't get to be a, just a Nazarite. He gets to be a Nazarite who's going to function as a judge almost in the prophetic realm of Israel. He's going to be powerful and deliver his whole nation. So this child has a calling. And mom, moms, all of your kids have callings on their life. And this is what's cool about the story. She starts to look into the what is this calling thing about? And I think we need to learn from this. And so the God's gonna give her a son and bless the son in powerful ways. And the angel tells her, because God's gonna use your son in power, it's important that your son stays pure. There's a, there's a correlation between purity and power in the Bible. When you try to stay pure, and we all fall short, but when you try to stay pure and honor God, that's where God's power is manifest. And so she tells her that. This is really important because he's got a big calling. He's got to be pure. He's going to have a lot of power. And then so she comes back to her husband in the story and says, you're not going to believe what happened. And and she tells her, and, and the husband's like, wow, that's amazing. I wonder if there's any way the angel could come back and tell us a little more about his life so that we could know how to raise him. Because if he's going to be this powerful, you know, uh, you know, prophet and deliver, we need a little know, like, how are we supposed to raise this guy? So sure enough, in the story, to keep it short, the angel comes back and tells him, this kid's going to be pure. You need to keep him pure. He's going to deliver Israel. And so uh, this uh, it goes on in verse 12 and says this. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs this boy's life and work? So the father goes, we know he's got a calling. We get it now. Tell us how to raise this guy so that his calling will be fulfilled. So mom and dad get it. Mom heard about the calling twice. Dad heard about the calling once. But she gets the calling. Now here's where the story takes a little bit of a turn. Uh, because a parent's job, by the way, is to help your child under, to discover their calling. Uh, if you see gifting in your child in any kind of way, you see they're good at this or good, identify it early, encourage them in their gifts. And, and some of you moms are already great at that. You already see things, they're either loving or discerning or they're talented or gifted in certain ways or they have mercy in their heart, these beautiful, find their calling early and encourage that. And so the parents did that. It says in verse 24, and I'm moving along pretty quickly to cover the story, uh, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samuel. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Manna Dan between Zorah and uh, Eshtael. And now here's the deal. This boy is born. He's a Nazarite. The spirit of God starts stirring up in his life. These are all good things. Verse 14, I mean chapter 14, Samuel went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Tenma. Now get her for me. I want her as my wife. And his father and mother replied, now believe me, this, this was pagan times, pagan lands where people are barking at the moon and bowing down to big wooden poles doing a lot of crazy stuff. And that's who this girl is. That's from the town she's from. That's who her people are. They're pagans. They're, 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 they don't follow the God of Israel. And so father and mother, knowing the calling, say in verse 3, his father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives and among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said, get her for me. She is the right one for me. Now, here's the deal. He had a powerful calling. The parents knew it. He wants to marry a girl. Now, parents can't make this happen but parents can encourage things to happen, right? Uh, when you're young, you get to have a little more control over your children. When you're 
have a little less control, but you try to influence their decisions. In this time and age, parents still needed to be part of working out the relationship in this culture. And this girl is worshiping pagans. Have you heard the term unequally yoked? Anybody heard that? This is about as unequally yoked you can get for anyone of faith, let alone someone who's called to be a prophet and a judge and a Nazarite and a deliverer. But he says, mom and dad, I want her. And they're saying, son, we don't think it's a good idea. And he says, I want her anyway. And they said, okay, Sammy, if you say so. And so Samson's mother, if you want to see a story for her, she would be the mother who tried. This is the mother who tried. And here's the thing, moms. You can raise your kids in the faith and in the Lord, but we can't control them when they get to the age of understanding. She encouraged him, can't you do better? God's calling you higher. And at the end of the way, Samson was stubborn to have his way. And so I would suggest this in closing on on Samson's uh, mothering. Uh, As a mom, do not be passive in your parenting. Moms, don't be passive, um, but point them higher. Point your children higher. Always point them higher. When you know what's best and you defer to what's not, um, that's really important that we don't do that. We, we need to parent moms, parent out of conviction, not out of convenience. And in this day and age, it's so easy to go, all right, son, you want that one? All right, let's get it over with. And that's convenient. You want to take the high road, and you, you want to do that. That's really, uh, really important. And I just want to move on really quickly to um, Hannah. Hannah is... Samuel's mom. And Israel doesn't have a king. Samuel is, Israel's been waiting for a prophet for quite some time, and God's about to do something profound. And Hannah is the mother who kept her promise. And when moms keep their promises, especially their promises with God, God does amazing things in their life. And so here's how the story goes in 1 Samuel, I believe this is chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli the priest was sitting in his chair at the doorpost of the Lord's house. So she's in the temple right now. She's going up to the temple. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Again, that's a sign of a Nazarite that's taken the high road for Israel. So she understood what this is. So Hannah is crying, God, give me a son and I'll give him back to you. I would suggest moms, if God gives you a child, you gotta give him back. Amen. Amen. You got to give them back. You got to consecrate. Israel knew this. They did it on the eighth day. Thank you, Lord. We consecrate. If you're a parent and you have children and you haven't consecrated your children, we'd love to have a service where we pray over your children and pray over you as a parent. But it's a, it's a time in, 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 even in the Bible where you say, Lord, you're the one who gave me this child. I'm just giving them back to you. That's all. And so it moves on in verse 27, and this is the last part. It says, uh, I prayed for this child. She actually gets the child, and she does exactly what she says. She goes up to the temple. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked for. Now, 
I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So God heard her prayers, blessed her with a son named Samuel. She honored her promise to God, and she brings Samuel into the temple to serve God. And Samuel serves God all the days of his life, and he's at a profound time when the spiritual climate of Israel was way downhill. Samuel restores that. Samuel anoints the first king of Israel. And God heard her prayers. And this is what's amazing about this. Here's the takeaway lesson, guys. A praying mother is a powerful force. A praying mother is such, such a powerful force. And she prayed, and Israel changed. So she didn't just pray to have a son. She prays that Israel would change forever. So the power of her prayer translated not just into having a son. That's the immediate and that's the short term. The big picture, Israel got turned upside down in an amazing way. And so if you want to just take some notes, here's three things to note about an amazing mom like Hannah. I know what is best. I will do what is best. But I will leave the rest up to God. She knew what was best for her son. She followed through and did the best, and she gave her son to the Lord, saying, Lord, I'm going to leave the rest up to you. Pretty cool comparison of the two two moms. Now, you have a couple of moms, and I kind of feel like I have opening act moms. Like These were really cool moms in the Bible, but but Christy, like, I go, which moms are you going to take? She goes, I'm taking these two, and I'm like, oh, great. So she she picked, like, the the grand slams, but I got a couple of, you got to admit, these are some pretty good moms, too, right, to be looking at. Okay, let's, let's talk about some more of the greatest moms in the Bible. I, well, I love what you said. I love, I know what is best, and I will do what is best. And it reminds me of the story of this mom that was invited to her son's house for dinner. And, um, and she went to dinner, and during the dinner, she noticed his, his roommate was a girl. And um, he noticed the look, she noticed the looks that were exchanged. And moms know, right? And so after dinner, um, her son John said to her, can you still hear me? Her son, John, said to her, he said, Mom, I know what you think, but it is not what you think. Trust me. And, um, and then over the next couple of days, the, Julie, the roommate, said, you know, the ice cream scooper is missing, and your mom was the last one here. That's so weird that we haven't seen it since she left. And so um, he said, well, let me send her a text really quick. And he said, dear Mom, He said, I'm not saying that you took the ice cream scooper. I'm not saying that you didn't take the ice cream scooper. But I am telling you that the ice cream scooper has been gone ever since you you left. And she quickly sent a text back to him and said, Dear John, I'm not saying that you are sleeping with Julie. I'm not saying that you aren't sleeping with Julie. But if Julie was sleeping in her own bed, she'd have found the ice cream scooper. Oh, you love moms. I just love that. (laughs) There was a police recruit, and during his exam, he was asked, um, he said, what would you do if you had to arrest his, your mother? And he quickly said, I would call for backup. Well, I love that. Moms are powerful. We are powerful influences in the world. And spiritual moms, you are as powerful influences. We all as women, we, you know, it, there is a saying that says, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And I think of the two most influential women in history, hands down, not just in the Bible, but in history, are Eve and Mary. And you look at... Um, All the pivotal moments in our life, like I said earlier, they all add up to 
who we are and who our children become. It's the little decisions. But both Eve and Mary were faced with major decisions and the outcome of those decisions really changed the world. And so I want to take a look at Eve. And Eve is known throughout history as the mother of all living. She's also known, unfortunately, as the one responsible for the fall of mankind. And um, bless her heart, right? Had to have that on your shoulders. A friend of ours wrote a song uh, so many years ago. And um, it starts out, and it's about Eve, and it talks about, like, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have been tempted. I wouldn't have taken it. And by the time she gets to the chorus, she realizes that we're all Eve right? And, and God had a plan even before Eve took that apple. That's the amazing thing. And there was a foreshadowing of Jesus coming in what God responded after Eve took the apple. But Eve, think about it, was the only one without a mother. She was the only one, only human being, person born sinless, besides Jesus, obviously. Um, she was... Um, the, the first woman to ever live. She was divinely created. She was never a little girl. She was never a baby. And um, she was never a single girl. She was born right into being a helpmate and being a wife. And she was the first woman to experience spiritual attack. She was the first woman to fall under sin. She was the first woman to make a dress. And she was the first woman to have a son who was a murderer, and she was the first woman to bury a child. That's a lot. But gosh, doesn't it give us a lot to be able to relate to, right? And then there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And um, the Mary is a woman that was honored above all women. She was tro- chosen to bring the Savior of the world into the world and she was a holy, submitted servant. She wasn't perfect. She chose to submit to the Lord. But she still lived a life weighted with sorrow, um, the magnitude of, of the job that she had, and then the sorrow of, of losing her son. Um, there's, although she, the loss of her son saved the whole world, it was still a loss. And she followed Jesus throughout his ministry. And she was there when he took his last breath. But Mary is famous for saying in, in her song, when she found out, when the angel came to her, she said, let it be to me as you have said. Now, I first want to say that I think it's ridiculously unfair to compare Eve to Mary. I don't know why. I'm a redeemed Eve. I'm not a Mary. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you can relate to being Mary. I'm more on the Eve side. So confessions out there. But I want, you, I want us just to talk about for a minute how the connection with our Eve representing our flesh and Mary representing what we can be as a life in the spirit. And so when met with life-changing decisions, we have two choices. And really we've met with every day when we wake up in the morning. We're all met, and this is not just women, but women and men. We're all met with life-changing decisions. And when Eve first was in the garden, she was met with a decision when the serpent came to her. So Eve spoke with Satan. Mary, on the other hand, spoke with God. And you think about when Jesus spoke with Satan, all he did was quote scripture. 
So it speaks a lot to when we begin hearing things that don't line up with the Word of God, even in our own minds in the morning and when you're getting dressed on the drive to work, when somebody says something rude to you, you have to realize I have two choices right now. I can either listen to Satan and what he wants me to do, or I can listen to God. And what does the Word of God tell me to do? Eve struggled with human reasoning where Mary had gave in to divine submission. She chose, regardless of her feelings, regardless of what was to come, she was a young girl being pregnant and not being married, regardless of the shame and everything that she could see very quickly flash in her eyes. She said, let it be to me as you have said. Pride and desire, striving, caught Eve's heart. Eve thought that God was going to hold something back from her. Mary knew that God's plan was the very best for her life. Eve didn't have 100% faith that God's way was best. Mary was fully trusted God with everything. It says Eve was deceived. In fact, I, I love the way the New Living Translation says it says, the woman was convinced. And women, I know that you, we can all re- remember times in our life when we've been convinced about something. We knew. We just knew. It was our intuition. And then later finding out that we were wrong, right? And that's why we have to line every, every feeling that we have up with the word of God. And we beat our bodies into submission so that we can come under the protection of God. But it says the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Ate it. Goodness. That is just horrible. It says ate. It doesn't say ate it, even though it's a new living. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and she ate it and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame for their nakedness. And you know, one of the key words in there, I, I believe, is that, that she wanted it. And when we want something, that's, that want has to come under the submission and protection of God, or else we open ourselves and our families up to the consequences of wanting something so bad that we're willing to go outside of the Word of God to get it. Isn't that right? All right. All right. So Eve changed God's word. She said, oh, we can't even touch it, right? But Mary followed God's word. And that, again, is so important that we come under the submission that we don't say, that we say, because you say so, like the disciples said. They said, we, we've already tried that. And, and, and I know in so many times in my life, I've been like, God, I have done this, and this does not seem to be working. But because you say so. I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk through this door. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to, I have to beat my body. You may be able just to push your body. I have to beat my body into submission. But Eve disobeyed, ignoring all the cost for mankind. She ignored everything. Where Mary obeyed, no matter the cost. Eve brought sin into her family. And Mary brought blessing and protection. And you know, if you've never read through Deuteronomy chapter 28, where it talks about the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience, you will be won over by the blessings, I guarantee you. 
And it's so important to realize, and, and I, my kids at a very young age, I would just draw this umbrella and like, this is the blessing, the umbrella of protection. When we obey the word of God, we're protected by the word of God. But when we step outside the word of God, we are open ourselves up for attack and consequences. And so we would try. We can also do it with a circle of blessing. It, it, but to be able to know that when we say, I don't understand, I don't get this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to obey your word, that we are under God's protection. But in the same realm, not only when I sin, I don't only open myself up for, for consequences, but I, always, I open my children up because my children are under me. And so when we fall short, we need to quickly repent because, and we all fall short. That's why Jesus went to the cross. But to be able to say, I'm going to stay under the umbrella of protection, of God's protection by staying under his word, it'll transform our lives. It'll transform generations to come. In the Bible, it says that the Sins of the father, and I think you could easily stick the mother in there, are, are, are visited upon the third and fourth generation. Why? Because if my kids see me cussing like a sailor, drinking, <clears throat> being out of control, being disrespectful to people, what are they going to do? They're going to learn from me. They say that obedience is, is, is often not taught but caught. That they see me obey the Lord. They see me submitting. They see me apologizing. By the way, the first, the best thing that I think I've ever taught my kids, the thing that I've thoroughly taught them is how to apologize. That's not because I say this is how you apologize. I apologize a lot because I fall short. Eve's son was killed because of sin. The sin in her household. Mary's son laid his life down for each and every one of us. Through Eve's sin, sin entered the world. Through Mary's obedience, redemption came to the world. Isn't that a great thing? And through this all, God had a plan. He had a plan. He had a plan that even though when he saw her, before she even reached for that fruit, he saw, he knew what he was going to do. And he knows what he's going to do in each and every one of our lives. So this isn't to look back and go, oh, wow, I've really messed up. I need to clean things up. It's to fall on our knees, to repent, to change the way we think, and to say, God, I know you can work all things to the good for those who love you. And I love you, and I've fallen short. But you have a plan of redemption even for now, even for my eating of the fruit. You have a plan for me. And I think that's so, such a beautiful expression of these two women, how we can walk in the flesh and reap the consequences of the flesh, or we can walk in the spirit and reap the blessings of the spirit. And I, I believe that Proverbs 14, 4 says it best, where it says, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. And moms, this is an encouragement for all of you and women that we can build our houses. Jesus was the great liberator of women. He, he, he came to set the captive free. And I believe that it's time for us to rise up as Proverbs 31 women and also for us, as, for the men, to rise up as people of God and to begin to, to operate fully in the destiny and the plan that God has for your life. To say no more to sin, to say because he says so, I'm going to stop doing this. Because he says so, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try to pick and choose. I'm not going to change the word to mold to me. I'm going to mold to the word, right? Because 
because in order to be something that we've, to do something that we've never done, we have to be something that we've never been. Amen? All right. So can we just pray? Can, you, can we just rise up and pray? And Pastor Brian and I are going to pray for you um, this, this morning. It's time for us to look at the world. It's time for us to see that God is calling us as Christians. We are Gideon's army. God is calling us as Christians to be to be world changers, to be history makers. It's no more settling with mediocrity. It's no more one foot in the world, one foot out. It's time for us to rise up and be the people that God has called us to be, to fulfill the destiny, the unique destiny that each and every one has been called to do. You're not supposed to look like me. I'm not supposed to look like you. You're not supposed to look like Pastor Brian. God has put us out as ministers of reconciliation all throughout this city for his glory and his namesake, he could show himself any way he wants, but he chose to use you and I to reach the world in love, not judgment, to reach the world, to change the world through our love, through our prayers, and through his grace. Amen? So, Lord God, we come to you, Lord, and we say we want to be changed people. We want to to be what we've never been. And we know, Lord God, that there are things that need to change in our life, that we need to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us to run the race that's set before us. Lord, I hear every woman here saying, let it be to me as you have said. Lord, you have a unique calling and destiny that only each and every one of us can fulfill uniquely. And so I pray, Lord God, a blessing over the women. Lord, I hear your your heart is for women to rise up. You love us. You want to change the world through us. This is the time. This is the revival where you will use women in an incredible way. And so I praise you for them. I praise you. I honor each woman in this room. I ask for a fresh filling of your spirit, a blessing over them that they go out and they say, because you say so, Lord, I will do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you, and we want to live according to your word and your word alone. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen, Amen, guys. Hey, listen, listen. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand clap because he's good. We can always do that. Um, Again, I want to remind you, you know, we just did adventure camp with the boys this week. We came back and we had a blast. And I salute you dads who got to church this morning because it was a late night and a long weekend. It was a blast. But we're living in a time where there's more fatherless and motherless kids than ever before in the history. The only time in history there's been fatherless and motherless like this would be after a war. Do you realize that? That's the only time. And yet spiritually, that is a reality. And that's why God is calling all of us to have eyes to see and to identify. So on a Mother's Day like this, moms, I encourage you, you see gals younger than you, you're further down the road, certainly in the faith you are. Pray for eyes to see. Invite them over for a cup of coffee or tea. Encourage them, coach them. Be a spiritual life coach pointing them to Jesus because the opportunities are abounding. Same thing, gentlemen. Step up and and be a big brother to one of these little guys who, you know, you could see some of the boys this week and they're looking with big eyes because they're lacking leadership and they're looking for godly examples. So this, the, the season is ripe. There are opportunities abounding. And moms, we salute you this morning for all of your amazing work and love and uh, tenderness that you've been pouring out. And we have a gift for you. 
Isn't it great to end everything with a gift? So we have a gift for you, and I don't know if the ushers have the gift. I see Tom. Tom is prepared. Thank you, Tom. But we honor you, and we bless you as men and women and world changers of this city. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.